that. We want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. What's up, people? Thank you for joining me for another edition of Morton's Law here on this May 14th, 2021. Don't forget to check me out on Twitter at Morton's underscore law and also Morton's Law Podcast on YouTube as well as this show on all major platforms. Please continue to spread the word. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube. And uh, if you don't mind, a little donation would be nice on uh, all the audio platforms. Coming up soon, we got Corey Richmond, Jason Brooks from the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. Now, initially, I intended to have video on YouTube of this interview. However, due to my being cheap with a combination of a failed computer, the video would not upload. So, therefore, that is probably not happening, although I'm trying to still pull a miracle. So, most likely, the audio will be up on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, so... Real quick before I uh, turn it over to the interview that you're going to hear, uh, I just wanted to talk about something. I walked into a CVS the other day, and I'm online waiting. <clears throat> and I hear the cashier talking to a gentleman asking for his last name. And he's continually saying the last name, and she couldn't hear him. I mean, I couldn't either, to be honest with you. And she finally starts to say, is that N as in Nancy or M as in, and she paused. And I'm like, can't think of something? And then she says it again, N as in Nancy, M as in, and I really wanted to yell, moron! <clears throat> but I didn't. So I walk up to the register, and sure enough, I tell her my last name, I spell it slowly, give her my first name, my date of birth. She starts typing a few things. Within a few seconds, she goes, what was the last name again? I just went, oh my god. This. And I thought to myself, I was like, this is why you work here. This is your limitation in life. It reminded me of the line in Caddyshack from Ted Knight, the classic line, the world needs ditch diggers too. So, yeah, that was that was my day. All right, people. So, uh, coming up next, it's the uh, Corey Richmond, Jason Brooks appearance on Morton's Love Podcast. Right after this. time i have two very special guests from the work shoot wrestling podcast first i want to introduce to you the main eventer the showstopper the human wheelbarrow of the work shoot wrestling podcast jason brooks how you doing today i'm doing pretty well doing pretty well thanks for having me yeah no listen um before we get to your co-host i just wanted to ask you how much does your back hurt carrying that show every <laughs> Chris does a little better with the humor than you. We gotta, you know, get him on a little 
this time, let me introduce to you the man, the mouth, the curtain jerker of wrestling podcast host, the man who puts the P in pompous, A in arrogant, and Dave Meltzer, illegitimate love child, Corey Big Daddy Richmond. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing good. Thank you for... Uh... Wow, I can't... I'm working with The Rock, uh, 98, when Jericho came in, huh? Yeah. Uh, good days, though, right? More people were watching wrestling back then, that's for sure. About triple, to say the least. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's good to have you guys here. Uh, obviously, I've been on your show in the past. Please, everybody, go check that last episode out. I know you guys are coming off your own show, so I know everybody's a little tired right now. Jason is half in the bag, so we're going <laughs> to try to get this done. It's okay. You don't have to be straight. It's like CM Punk. I, I get it. <laughs> Alright, so we're going to get into NXT right here. Just give me your thoughts on what I have to say. Now, the show started with, with Cross and Theory. And I wanted to talk about Austin Theory because, Corey, you know I love the guy. I think he's a future star. I don't know what's going on right now. Obviously, going into this match, you knew he was going to lose this match. There was no way around that. But I just wonder, do they have a long-term plan? Like, I know next week, of course, we're going to get Bronson Reed and Gargano in a cage. And do you see Austin Theory somehow costing Gargano the match where then Gargano turns on him, because I want to believe we're going to get an eventual uh, You're breaking up a little bit there. Podcast at work shoe pod. At work shoe pod. Am I frozen? No, you're good. Or is Corey? You're good. Okay. Um, at Work Shoot Pod on Twitter, at Work Shoot Pod on Instagram, um, Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Um, I've not been a big Karen Cross fan in general, so that match was whatever to me. I do think that with Austin Theory, you know, he's been spinning his wheels a little bit in NXT, and I agree with you, Christopher, and Corey and I have talked about this. I think he's going to be a superstar. I think he's so much more of a natural heel than a baby face. He just seems like like a dick. <laughs> he just seems like one of those guys you want to punch in the face, one of those bro types. Um, but I think it would be interesting for him to be a baby face because I think it would be something different for his for his character and his development. Uh, he's still a super young guy. So I guess I could see it. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I guess I could see it because I, I expect Bronson Reed to win next week. Um, so... I guess a theory Gargano feed would be really good for both. I just wonder, I just wonder how that's going to look because I just really think Austin Theory isn't a natural babyface. So, um, yeah, I, I think it could be interesting to see to see where they go with it. But I definitely expect Bronson Reed to win. Corey, what do you think? I think that Austin Theory should be just happy to have a job. Personally, I mean his his extracurricular activities. I guess we can put it. You know. Just like him and Velveteen Dream and some other guys in that company. Yeah, but Corey, have... what do we know? Hold on now. What do we know? We keep talking about this guy's accused of this, this guy's accused of this. We don't know, other than some of these guys, the Dream stuff is bad. But what do we know about Theory's stuff? Not saying he didn't, he's not a scumbag. He, I mean, he very well may be. But we got to get over the, like, this guy, that, that, that he's lucky to have a job. We don't know. If they have a job, they have a job. Like, we got to talk about who they are as a character and who they are right now. Oh, no, I don't disagree with it, but I'm just saying I think one of the reasons why he hasn't gotten a huge singles push uh, is because of the things that – I don't know if, 
it takes time when you're in the doghouse to get out of it. And I think this is the best thing for him right now to be under the tutelage of a made guy like Gar uh, like Gargano. And do I see maybe at some point him turning on Gargano and feeling he needs to be the biggest star? Sure. I don't know if that's any time in the near future. Do I think he has the ability as a former evolved champion to be one of the next big things in NXT and maybe on the main roster at some point? Yeah, but I think the, the position he's in right now, I think, fits. I mean, long term, I can see that happening, but I don't see that happening for a while because I think they still have this terrible Dexter Loomis thing that, you know, looks like it's in the background for a week or two, but I still think there's more stuff for the way to do before they all go their separate way. And I don't know how many way, way puns I could put, you know, going forward, but, you know. I think, yeah. I think there's something to be said, though, that, you know, uh, Indy and Candice wrestled um, and won the titles, and the Gargano and, and Austin Theory were not involved, and they kind of made a point of that. And generally, NXT, when they make little points like that, this isn't like watching Raw. Like, usually when they make little points like that, that's going to mean something down the line. So, we'll see. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, moving along, what do you guys think of the rebuilding of Pete Dunne? Because I know he lost at least one match, if not two, to O'Reilly, if I'm correct on that. And then I know he beat Kushida, but I feel like they kind of put Dunne out there a little bit in terms of, not having him look like a star, now they're rebuilding him. Do you see him as a legitimate threat to cross, and he's just going to be another guy to lose? Uh, Jay, you want to take that one first? Yeah. Uh, it's so funny with, you know, with wrestling and with these companies where, you know, Gargano's had a North American title for a while. Karen Cross is not losing that title for a long time. Uh, you, you know, you need to kind of establish people but you also know you can't give them the belt but then it, they you know where can they go if they don't have the belt and i think pete dunn is in that exact scenario it's not like what they're doing with swerve scott where he is ascending now pete dunn's been the nxt uk champion one of the longest reigning of all time he's been in main events so he's in the spot where he's not going to get the title but we also don't know how to make him continue to look strong. So I thought they did a good job with him and Larry Ruff. Um, great for his character. Uh, great for Larry Ruff's character. But I'm not sure where they go with him. I think they're going to keep him as a kind of a upper mid-card heel. But I, I think they're in a um, kind of delicate spot with him because you can't have him lose too much. But he's also not going to be going for the title anytime soon. So I don't know, Corey, what are your thoughts? I think Dunn is kind of interesting. He's, he's, it almost feels like you have one too many people in the main event scene right now with Balor and Cool, and cool Kyle, you know, and I think that he's kind of the odd man out. He's going to have great matches, but it's almost a little bit like, you know, AW where you have all of these big, you have all of these guys who you want to be in that top level. Like on our show, we always talk about Phoenix should be in that world title picture and maybe even be world champion sometime soon. But I think Pete Dunn is kind of that, you know, that third wheel. And I think that at some point could he maybe win the North American title? Possibly. But I don't, I think, I see him more of a guy who's going to be that workhorse that has, who's too big for Kushida right now and the Cruiserweight, the 205 Cruiserweight title. But I don't know if he's at that level yet of believability to be cross. And I think the safest thing for him right now is to maybe face the, face the winner of Gargano 
and Bronson Reed. I know maybe thought of a little bit of a demotion, but I think if you actually want him to win a title, I think that's where it's going to be. Not in the, not with Cross. Yeah, yeah but he's like, but, but he's a but he's a heel, right? So you you're not going to have him go against Gorgano. You're not going to have Gorgano him go against Gorgano. That doesn't make sense. And then you're not going to have him beat Bronson Reed if he just won a title. It's a good point. So he's like in the worst spot possible, really. The only thing about Pete Dunne is he's a legitimate heel right now, whereas it looks like you got Balor and Cross playing almost tweener. I mean, Cross hasn't done anything heelish in quite a bit right now. And the face-offs with respect, you would think at some point Cross has to like attack somebody to reestablish his heel, kind of like Raquel Gonzalez did with um, Mercedes Martinez before their match. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point there, but um, I think, like I said, I think that in the way that WWE slash NXT books... They want one guy right now to be the face of that of that division. And even though I think all three of us agree Cross is a much better idea for the main roster than NXT, I think that they're trying to get him ready to at some point go to the main roster. And until then, I think he's going to be unbeatable. I, I, I see him beating Balor in the rematch. I see him beating Cool Kyle. I see him beating all these other competitors. And you almost feel like if you want to protect Pete Dunne, you have him keep on being there to be like, I want a title shot, but you don't give him that title shot until you have somebody that he can legitimately beat. Because I just don't think they're going to have him beat Cross. And as you saw, like when he faced it, uh, Escobar Cross, it was a good match for what it was. But that big man, small man uh, acumen for Cross, I just don't think works as good in NXT. So I think it would it wouldn't be a squash, but I just don't think it would be as pleasing to the eye as I think people would want it to be for fans of Pete Dunne. I don't think Cross is as good. Oh, I definitely agree I mean, with that. Yeah, I, mean, I think. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I just don't think he's. I think he's okay. I mean, I've seen a bunch of his matches now. I think he's just okay. Um, I mean, he's not sloppy. He's not sloppy in the ring. No, I but, but, but I think. But I, I think Christopher, like, what was what with what level these guys are in the ring now? Like, how good these guys are in the ring? It's hard for me. To look at Cross, who also doesn't have the charisma in my mind, and he has the look for sure, but doesn't really have the charisma or the promo skills to say, okay, this guy doesn't have the promo skills, and he doesn't have the in-ring skills, but like he's the guy. Like it's it's hard for me now to like, with so many good wrestlers out there, to say that th- that this guy is it, um, and he'll be fine on the main roster and. You know, whatever, but I just, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't see it. But to your point, Corey, do you do, basically you can't have Pete Dunne challenge for a title until he's ready to win it. I, 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 that's what I, that's my opinion. I mean, I think he should be having a feud now with, you know, if Roger Strong is going to come back at some point or Adam Cole. I mean, guys who are on that right next to tier where he continue to be strong and it's and I know this is going to sound terrible in 2021 to say believability of a big guy beating a, a larger guy but I think for right now building his character I would have him be taking out people who are who are his like not not his weight but his height you know to make it more believable and as he goes to do that and once either a Balor or a cool Kyle and I know I'm saying that facetiously somebody else wins the title that could be when he wins it as the next guy, he shouldn't be beating a, a pseudo heel for the title. And the last point before we move on, I'm sure Chris wants to talk about a bunch of other things on the show. I truly believe, like Jay, the star of that act is is uh, the smoke show, uh, 
uh, Scarlet, not him. You know, I mean, and it's not just because she's beautiful. It's the fact that she actually shows emotions and shows things when he just is just like this this killer. And I and I understand the idea of Beauty and the Beast, and she's out and she's basically saying, go kill that guy who went and made comment about my nails, and as we all know, talking about her breasts in that thing last week. But it just feels like she's the star. He's just another piece to the puzzle, at least in NXT. Okay, well, moving along, I just had some quick thoughts here. If you guys want to jump on this, that's fine. But I feel like, and at the end of the match, when Breezango lost, I, there was a little bit more focus on them as a tag team at the end there. There was, a, like, a purpose to that. And I've been really crying hoping that NXT would do something different with this team. It's time to drop the Breezango. It's time to let him be Johnny Curtis again, whatever you want to call Tyler Breeze, call Tyler Breeze, that's fine. Just let's get rid of this silly, hokey gimmick, and I don't know if they need a heel turn, but let's do something else with them. Please, it's 2021. We don't need to see this crap anymore. I mean, Tyler Breeze was great during his first run in NXT, then, of course, they messed him up on the main roster like they do all these guys. Then, when he had that little run before Breezango started, I you know that I think it was the Velveteen Dream feud. I thought that was like a really interesting feud. And now he's back with Breezango, and he's like, you know, it's back to this one-dimensional kind of character. I, I think they should break them up, maybe do a heel turn, maybe do something else with them. I'm super over it. To me, they're a change the channel or fast-forward on the DVR when they come out. Right, Jason, not to cut cut you off, but the thing is, like, yeah, go cut a promo. After you lose a match, cut a promo. We're done with this gimmick. We don't want to do this anymore. Cut something serious. Make the fans know this is it. Now you're going to see, and he can call himself Johnny Curtis, Tyler Breeze. What is his real name? I don't even know. I mean, just cut some kind of crazy promo to make the the fans know that's it. We're done with this. And I think they could easily transition to that, too, sir, sir, Corey. Because Tyler Breeze was a heel in NXT for a long time. So they can easily transition to Tyler Breeze being the kind of Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude-ish type of guy. I think Johnny Curtis might be a little lost in this. I don't know how they would do that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I think NXT does just so many smart things. Is it a thing that they're just like, you know, Rizango, they're veterans, they're solid veterans who we like having out there who are just going to lose matches. And maybe that's just what they're going to be. Solid veterans who are out there to lose matches. Uh, you know, what you just said there, I think, is the key point. I think people are slotted in positions, and they have a better chance of succeeding at NXT than on the main roster, because at this point, Fandango is just basically a, a you know a dancing gimmick, and, and on NXT, he's at least able to work. But I think they're slotted in as a comedy act, and I think that's what... They're seen as. I mean, I think the idea of you know bringing back a John, you know, the Johnny Curtis character, or you know Tyler Breeze as a singles guy, I just don't know. At their age and at their level, I just think that they're slotted in. I mean, a Drake Maverick is a comedy character. I think they're thought as a comedy character. I think there's just when you're in the WWE system, there's different things that you are, and it's gonna take a long time to get out of that. And I personally think that for what they do, they do it okay. But I agree with you. I if they weren't on TV and they got repackaged, that'd be great. But I just don't see that happening at this point. Okay, and moving along, um, the the Gonzalez, uh, excuse me, Gonzalez Martinez match. I mean, I thought it was good, but if you noticed, there was some sloppy moments in that match. They had some timing issues. Uh, I'll say one thing though: the one issue that they that they had that I don't think was a big issue is that when I believe it was Martinez went for a takedown and it looked to be off with the timing. That doesn't bother me from the standpoint of this. 
if it's a real fight, you want the other person to resist. So therefore, it should look real, which is a major problem that I have with a lot of wrestling today is everything looks so phony, whereas that looked like a legitimate fight, albeit sloppy at times. And overall, that's the thing. It ends up looking fake. So, I mean, I didn't have a problem with that particular part of the sloppiness, but other than that, they didn't really gel together in the ring. Uh, Corey, what do you think? I would agree. I mean, I didn't think it was a bad match, but it was it was underwhelming. I think that... I expected more from Mercedes Martinez as a veteran to be able to go and guide a younger wrestler like Raquel to a better match. I mean, also, I think in the back of my mind why it maybe didn't bother me as much is I knew that she wasn't winning. And also, I knew that she's just a stepping stone to other competitors. Maybe the the new uh, Frankie Monet or uh, way too early, at least in my opinion, Turned by Dakota Kai or re, you know rematched by Io. I just think that Mercedes Martinez is a has a is a badass as a character, and it was a good first opponent. That it should have been a better match, but I think she did her job, and I think we're moving on from it. And I think the true test is what what can Raquel Gonzalez do when she's has to be the focus because in her other matches she looked really dominant, but she had you know maybe the best wrestler in the female wrestler in the world in Io Shirai you know showing her every step of the way, and who knew the WWE system, when Mercedes Martinez is a great veteran, but, you know, she's not from that system. Yeah, I, I think, you know, your point, the match was definitely a little sloppy. Um, I think they tried to have that level of, like, a fight, but I think they just missed some spots. I think it'll be interesting to see what Raquel Gonzalez is going to do, because they have done a good job of, like, highlighting her. So she comes into a tag match and she does a couple of big power bombs and she kills the girl. And they haven't done a lot of here's a big time singles match. You know, she did have the match with Rhea Ripley, the last woman standing, which I thought was really good. But again, it was one of those, you know, you beat the shit out of the other woman and then whoever's standing at the end wins. So wrestling a longer match and really telling a story and not against Neo Shirai, I, I, I think will be interesting. I think she's capable. But I'm also glad she's being given a chance, right? Like, I think her best opponent could be Dakota Kai. Because, you know, Corey knows how I feel about her. I think she's super underrated. And I think they could work really, really well together. So, again, a little bit of a sloppy match. Um, but I think overall they'll figure it out. I just wish they would have given this feud a little more time. Didn't it seem like it was rushed? It's like couple promos, and now she's just going to wrestle her for the title. I, I don't know. I felt like that part was a little bit rushed. Wait, we're not oh, talking about AEW yet? What do you, something's being rushed? What do you mean? Yeah, uh, you actually stole the thought. Right, exactly. We'll get to that later with things being rushed. Um, so I know you guys talked about it on your show, so maybe you can just give a little quick tidbit sure. of your thoughts. But uh, I, I love the whole idea of this sport faction. I think it's long overdue to push him more in, in a serious heel matter that he's good at. And... Like I, I think his best, the best version of Swerve was Killshot and Lucha Underground by far. We, I love that. I know you guys mentioned that on your show. Uh, Brianna Brandy is like NXT's version of Jade Cargill. They're almost like from the same mold. It's incredible. Both basketball backgrounds. They almost look the same. And uh, yeah, I hope the best for this ver- uh, faction called Hit Row. Uh, what do you think, Jason? I love it. I think, um, you know, as an African-American guy, seeing, seeing like, these other African-American wrestlers do this, pro- do this gimmick, it's a cool gimmick. 
and I'm not young, so I, I think I'm out of that way out of that demographic. But it's a cool gimmick. They look cool. Uh, I love the rapping. I think, you know, Corey and I have talked about this. We talked about this on our podcast. The idea that Swerve was losing a little bit. I told Corey, give it, give it a little bit of time. NXT will figure it out. And they have. And now he's the leader of this group, which I think is going to be uh, potentially a really good thing. And he's ascending. And I, I do expect to see him be the North American champion by the end of the year. Uh, and I expect the stable to do some good things. And so so we'll see. But I, I think uh, I'm really, really excited to see where they go. Um, and I felt like, you know, I felt like with the promo that those guys did, it wasn't a promo that was, like, written for them. I felt like they seemed like they had input in what was written and what was said. And I think that was one of the things about the promo that I enjoyed the most. Um, I totally agree. I think it's something fresh, different. And I was very, I'll be honest, like you said, I was very frustrated with the lack of push of, of Shane Strickland, Killshot, uh, Swerve, you know, Swerve Scott. I guess we've dropped the Isaiah at this point. Um, he didn't have to even go to the main roster to lose, lose a name. But I, I'm going to wonder, as week one was great, but what do we see with this group in a month and a half? Are they going to be on TV every week? Are we going to see these other three? I'm sorry, other two, because we know that Adonis can work a little bit. But are, how much are we going to see these guys in matches? Is this Adonis and the, and the big heavy? Are they just going to be like a tag team where we kind of protect the other guy and Adonis does most of the work? I mean, how much how much are we going to go and say the promos are great and hope that the in-ring matches it? We all we know that Swerve well, is great. We got to give, give this a chance. Remember, NXT is not AEW or Raw. or They're still developing. I mean, this woman looks like a freaking brick shit house, but we don't know if she can, you know, wrestle a match at all. Right? No. Yeah. So like, and you got the other guy, the other big guy, and you know, Adonis can wrestle. Let's give them a little bit of time to develop. Top dollar. Top dollar. Top dollar. Right? Give them a little bit of time to develop and get better. Like we, they might not be great. Look at Raquel Gonzalez. Right? She's not a made product yet. She's not ready to main event WrestleMania or anything. So let's let's. Slow down. Let's give it a little bit of time. Now, no, I don't disagree. Don't, if they don't push Swerve, that'll be the problem. Swerve's still spinning his wheels two months from now. <laughs> that's going to be a problem. But the other people, I think that's why they're there. I think they're there to develop while Swerve gets that big push. I guess the only thing I would say, uh, closing on this, is that before this, he was losing. he was losing to all these guys that you thought he would win some of these matches. Like, uh, Bronson Reed, he lost to. He lost to Cameron Grimes. He, you know, he was, he's the only, for a while, his big claim to fame, which is great, he was the only person who had beaten Escobar, and that kind of went uh, two matches in a row where he lost. I mean, he was losing to Angel Garza. He was just like another guy on the card, and I'm really happy that they're giving him this chance, especially the fact, like, all three of us were huge fans of him in Lucha Underground, his character work, and I was developed. But sometimes you just got to sit there going, is this going to be something in a month and a half? That's still going on, or if it doesn't click right away and ratings don't get better, get better. Is he an easy scapegoat, and we just repackage these guys again? I'm hoping for the best, but you know. Oh, Corey, come on! You're talking about this like this is raw. Come on, get out of here! <laughs> You're talking about like this. They're gonna let this thing go. They're gonna, they're gonna let it go. They're not gonna want. They're not gonna. 
come on. This isn't raw. Jason, if Jason, is your chiropractor on call? Can you get a quick... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if this was raw, I would agree. You know, they're going to have a, a gimmick, and it's going to be terrible, and they're going to let it go. But I, 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 I don't see that them doing that. I don't see them doing that. They let things go to their, to their, to their max potential because they, at the end of the day, are still a developmental brand. That Actually, goes to the raw, and then it's terrible. You know what? I don't just. I'm not saying you're wrong, but Chris, let me get your opinion on this quickly. I'd love to know. Do you think this is an NXT stable, or do you think this is something that could work on the main roster? Because we, I know that everything that we always talk about is we hope nobody goes to the main roster. It'd be great to get the extra money of being on, you know, Raw or SmackDown, which all these guys deserve. But like, can you see this gimmick working if Vince McMahon has his hands in it at all? And that's what like sometimes you're afraid of. For all the all the good things they've done with the New Day as that hip African-American stable that actually is positive and everything else, a lot of other African-American acts and just acts that are, once Fitz Man gets his hands on it, they become, you know, job guys in like in six weeks. And we got to hope at some point, as much as we love NXT, some of these guys have to go up and go to the next level. You know, Jason, you know this Corey asked me a question and then said another five minutes? <laughs> I was like, Corey, uh, we're on the pace to do a three-hour show, by the way, just so you know. Um, Jason's going to fall asleep during the show. <laughs> so to answer your question, it's Vince McMahon. He's hot and cold with everybody. He, he relies more on ratings than NXT does. So therefore, I mean, could, could they be a hurt business light with a female involved? I don't know. I mean, there's that potential. Plus, we don't know who the real star of the group is. We don't know what Top Dollar could become. He clearly is good on the mic. I mean, I know you... I, yeah, but Vince likes those kind of guys. I'm not saying... It's true. You know, You're right. You know, it's unknown. We don't know. That's the question. That's the well, answer. Also, also, Corey, it's a seventy-five-year-old white guy, yeah. like with these uh, young black guys who are like doing a hip-hop label. He doesn't even know like what this means. He may not he even be watching watch the show. Not so, yeah. know like what this is. So, I think his understanding of things is like completely different than like most of society at this point. So uh, we do know one thing. We do know one thing with his voice, the way it sounds these days, he can no longer say, screw you, you're <laughs> He can do a little bit of it. He, he, gets it up, he gets it up there every now and then. But, Corey, this, to me, we can't say everything's about the main roster. Sometimes things are, but look at Gargano, look at Ciampa, look at how long they've been down there for. Sometimes, like, these guys are making good money down there, and they're enjoying their career, and maybe that's kind of where they are for a while, and that's okay. Yeah, but there's a, there's a slight difference. Both Gargano, well, more Ciampa than Gargano, but basically Gargano said, if you take me up to the main roster, I'm, I'm retiring. So, I mean, there's a little bit of difference for guys staying there forever. But, Corey, Swerve is like 31 years old. Oh, no, you're, like, you're, he, I'm not, he you're not real. He's been on the main roster in a couple of years, and he's like in his early to mid-30s, and those other guys are young and they, they're developing anyway. No. I, I, let's just All enjoy right, them in NXT. Go, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> so I'd like to move on. Um, I have a lot to say here about this match before you guys jump in. Just because uh, I wanted to say a lot here. So Kushida against Escobar. Two out of three falls for the Cruiserweight title. First fall, Escobar wins. Okay, that's fine. Second fall lasted roughly a minute, which I was like, okay, what is that about? First of all, you have... You have an armbar by Kushida. Has he ever won a match with an armbar in, in NXT? I don't think he has, which is just bizarre. So, I mean, all right. So, oh, oh I have a little pet peeve with, with the announcing, by the way, just in general. And you hear this from other places, too. When you announce a PK and you call it a PK kick, that's redundant. You're essentially saying penalty kick, kick. 
can can people tell people this? Like, I had a tweet, Rocky Romero, that, Rocky, stop it. And he eventually did. I don't know if it was because of me or someone else. I know Kevin Kelly does reply to my tweets, by the way, so maybe he told Rocky to stop it. But it just, it's ridiculous. So, moving along. So, Kushida, great job of selling the arm. Here's why I get annoyed, okay? Here's, here's what bothers me. Kushida wins the second fall easily, of course, with the non-finisher. And then, when you do the third fall... He work, they work the arm the same way. But now he has the hoverboard lock. He jumps off the top with the hoverboard lock. Now, let me get this straight. Escobar can now fight towards the ropes with the arm more exhausted than it was in that second fall. Now, okay, you want to argue and say, all right, well, the second fall didn't mean much to him because he knew he had a chance. Why would you concede a fall? You can't concede a fall when you know you're going to be more exhausted. I'm just thinking logically here. You know, sometimes there's lacking of that. So now Escobar can fight through the rope, get the rope, and a lot of that just bothered me. And then the finish was, all right, then they tried to explain it, by the way. You notice how they explained the finish in terms of having his arms locked? So you're telling me just because his arms were locked, he could not kick out of that? I don't know what you guys thought on the whole match and the finish. Uh, Jason, jump in. <laughs> um, you know, Christopher, a very good deep dive by you. We do not do deep dives on matches like that uh, on the Work Shoot Wrestling podcast, uh, so I really appreciate it. And, Corey, I'll let you go for most of this. I thought it was a good match. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you're saying. I thought especially that second fall, and Vic Jones was like, oh, we can't go anywhere. We might have something. Like He was like, it just was the two, the two out of three falls matches on television are, are rough. They're, I, I mean... How many two out of three falls matches have been good? They're usually rushed. They don't figure out the psychology. Um, now, if this was a singles match, right, and that all would have happened, some of it would have made sense. So, I don't know. I think the two, two out of three falls matches generally really fall flat for me, and I think they always struggle. It doesn't matter what company it is. They always struggle with the psychology of these matches. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that the match – kind of was a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say a mess, but it wasn't as good of a match. It didn't hit the heights that I was hoping it was going to hit. Well, real quick, before we get to Corey, I just wanted to, I left one part out. The thing that bothered me the most is that Kushida wins the second fall with a move that isn't his finisher, but then his actual finisher, the hoverboard lock, now you kind of kill his finisher by letting him get to the ropes. Corey, jump in. Um, we discussed this on our podcast earlier. I thought the match itself was was very solid. I, I think it's one of those things where you have, what, like 16 minutes left of TV time or 17 minutes, and you have a commercial break. And if this was on the network, or I guess Peacock now, it most likely might have been a better match where you didn't have to watch picture-in-picture, picture, which is always, you know, a big problem with a lot of people. I think the, the idea of two falls within, you know, eight seconds of them of each other is terrible psychology. I know it's something that's done in every single match, and I understand if you're leading into two out of three falls or it's a 60-minute match or whatever, you're like, all right, I already got one fall. What, you know, if I could beat the guy up more. I mean, you had stuff with what, like Gargano versus Ciampa when they had, uh, I think it was an Iron Man match or whatever it was. They had, you know, where he allowed himself to get disqualified just to beat him up more, you know, and he lost a fall. So, I mean, there's different ways of doing these type of matches. But I think besides the dual uh, two quick uh, falls, I didn't have a lot of problems. I get your point about, you know, destroying someone's finisher. But I think it's also showing the idea that even though Santos is not winning this match, 
he's still, if not the best guy in the division, he's the second best guy in the division, and only those type of guys are going to be able to get out of the hoverboard lock. Yeah, but the psychology, like you just said, and I said earlier, in the third fall, when the arm has been worked for three straight falls, it doesn't make any sense. I agree. And there seems to be, you know, it's adrenaline, and, you know, you realize it's clutch time, and he was able to figure out a way to get by it. But, I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's, it, was, it should have been done better. And I think if this was a takeover match, I think it might have been done a little smarter. But I think I would not be – and, Jay, you may disagree with this, and I know we're all, we have fears of it, but I don't know how much longer Escobar and his, and his two uh, – his two compatriots are going to be on NXT. I, I see Escobar as a main event Hispanic star who could be either on SmackDown or Raw and help with that market. You know, I don't see him being on... I mean, I said the same thing when Adam Cole lost at the pay-per-view and then he was, you know, do, did a promo a week and a half later. So what, me knowing and when people are going up or not, but I do think that Escobar is going to be fast-tracked to the main roster and I think this could be his way of losing two times going out of the territory and we could see him on Raw or SmackDown Maybe next Monday or Tuesday, Monday or Friday. I mean, it, okay, it, and I'll say this quick before Christopher goes with his next subject. If he goes to SmackDown and they do a decent job, they can be really successful. There's no doubt about it. The guy is incredible. I think in terms of in the ring and on the mic and with his gimmick, I don't think there's many guys in the WWE in general that are better than him. He feels like a guy, Santos Escobar, that when you listen to him, you feel what he's saying. He feels real. Like, he feels like he's not just cutting a promo. He feels like this is who he, this is who, it's kind of the same thing when you hear Reigns. This is who he thinks he really is. He thinks he's invented Lucha Libre. He thinks he's the king of Lucha Libre. And then he's also incredible in the ring. That being said, if he goes to Raw, he'll be jobbing out to Sheamus in two months. So, Well, maybe not, though, Jason. Think about this. When you, we talked about Andrade and his failures in, in terms of being able to cut a promo. When you look at Andrade, everything you said is accurate. He sounds believable. His words mean something. And his promo is, is incredible. It really is that good. And not just for a guy who, obviously, English is a second language. He, he sounds really good. And I think Vince would notice that and be like, hey, this is a guy. But what about Angel Garza? I mean, Angel Garza's great in the ring and cuts a great promo. And he's done, they've done, now, Angel Garza's not Santos Escobar in terms of on the mic and believability in his character. But in the ring, Angel Garza's incredible. And he hasn't done well by him. Like, he, he just, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I think Raw, like Raw is like the wasteland for yeah. pro professional wrestlers. Well, it, it, yeah, right. Uh, moving along to the next show. So we're approaching, we'll, we'll be done by 11, guys. Um, so. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm never going to go to 10. Get more alcohol. So first hey, match we get. He's, a, he's, an, hour, he's an hour behind He's an hour behind us. So he, he's in Chicago. Oh, that's he's, a good point. It's not that early. Not that <laughs> so we get returning to the United States, Yuji Nagata versus John Moxley. Now, I know, I believe it was you, Jason, who tweeted that you didn't like Moxley's change in music, uh, the, the Wild Thing song. Yeah. I like it. I, I think it fits his character. It's apropos. You want to say a lot of these songs are dated? Whatever. I mean, it's not a big deal. But it's, it's such a, it's a slow song. But he it's comes, him. He comes out with fire. He comes out with fire and vigor, and he's ready to go. That's like a wild thing. And he comes out slow. That's a, that's a, guy who, who's supposed to come out slow 
He doesn't come out slow. He doesn't do anything slow. He does everything at 100%. You need 100% music for him to come out to. So give me an 80s rock song. What 80s rock song, whether it maybe even Metallica, what song would you give him? I mean, jeez, I don't know. I'm not great with song titles. I'll give some Metallica song. I can't think of one, but something like that. But he doesn't need any songs. His song is perfect for him. His song fits him perfectly, his a previous song. So, oh, whatever. Well, real quick, before we get into the matches, well, let me just finish off what I was going to say. Uh, the match was solid. This was a, a, a perfect, like, New Japan-style match. I loved it. It wasn't that long. It went well. And the last thing I'll say is that I thought about the crowd and how it's there. Finally, we're, we're advancing now with more crowd. And I just think it would be great if one day the king... Minoru Suzuki could show up to Jacksonville and we could hear everybody sing his song. I would love that. So, real quick, what did, Corey, what did you think of the match? Wait, I was supposed to be quick on something? No. Uh, I thought it was a really good, well-done match. I love the fact, at the very beginning, that um, they said that this is under New Japan rules, told people right, about right. the 20 count, and a lot of other things. I thought that was done well. I thought uh, Nagata looked good. I, I hope It won't happen, but I really hope that Ren Narita does a little internship in uh in AEW because he's really be a star. That dude's gonna be a star. Because yeah, he's really good on uh, New Japan, yeah. uh, strong every week. I thought it was the I thought the, they gave Nagata a ton to go and say that you know what New Japan isn't just jobbing out once again to AEW another AEW star. I thought that that was the best thing they did with Moxley and I compared to uh, later on. Interesting. Um, the one thing I'll say is by the way, did you notice? I- Excalibur got it wrong last week when he uh, previewed the smash and he said the United States defended in the United States. That was wrong. <laughs> Wait, New Japan. In California against right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, moving along. So out comes Triple H. I mean, Cody, excuse me. <laughs> and, and of course, of course, he, <laughs> he, he brought the neck tattoo, by the way. No surprise. He cuts his self-righteous, pretentious promo. By the way, what year is it? Are the British coming? Is Paul Rivera going to tell us that the British are coming? Um, so I just thought this was a just a, a weak way to build a match. You know, the stuff with him bringing his dad involved, that's okay, whatever. Of course, his wife having a biracial son, I can get on board with that. But overall, it's just like, and by the way, when you look at Cody, I know he's not, but when you see that neck tattoo, does he not look like a MAGA guy? I mean, come on. <laughs> wait, Chris Jericho's in the match? Wait, what are we talking about? Uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean... Uh, God. One, it just isn't a good way to build a match. So let's start with the actual wrestling part. Um, it's not a good way, way to build a match. This is not 1980. It's not the Desert Storm. It's not 1985. It's not... I mean... At this point, and I said this on the podcast, at Workshoot Pod, we're on Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. At this point in wrestling, this isn't, you're a bad guy, I'm mad at you, and I'm a good guy. We're trying to build three-dimensional characters. Because wrestling is about characters and about stories. And this anti-American thing is so fucking corny. It's so corny. His promo was well done because Cody is a tremendous talker. Yeah, you know, he's talking about like the, the 
Civil Rights Act, and I mean, I mean, come on! They got the guy, they got the white guy with the Black Lives Matter shirt. They found one person, yeah. and of course, I, hate, I didn't even get a mask on. It's like, come on! Like, what are we doing? I, I just, I thought it was for a company that's trying to build characters as three dimensional people as much as possible. Um, I thought it was so corny, uh, and you know, it is what it is. You know they want to push this guy, but they couldn't thought they couldn't have thought of a better way to push this story. But he's an EVP, so you know this is his his brainchild. I'm inclined to believe this is what he thought of, and he's like, "Hey, Tony, let's do this." So this is this is the brilliance of Cody, Corey. Um, I I agree with uh, my partner Jason on the fact that I thought it was a very well done promo. Is it in our current you know climate? Is it did it feel like it was the right decision to do? Absolutely not. I, my bigger problem is the idea that, and I said this on, on our show, that the only thing, the only time that Anthony Agogo apparently was anti-America was a one-line promo when he was a background player. And yes, he put the uh, English flag over Cody uh, last week or the week before, but I just don't think the way they built Anthony Agogo as this super uber anti-America guy was done well enough in this case. I, and I know I'm the AEW apologist. You know, my name is mostly Corey the Mark Richmond most weeks when it comes to AEW. But it doesn't, for this particular thing, I just don't think it works. And I really do hope the fact that this is the pro-America thing on this show, that they don't, that they, for some reason Cody wins. This is the first big thing for Anthony Ogogo, and I think Anthony Ogogo has to win this match. And you have to get over that, that punch to basically, you know, you, pu- you punch the guy and he basically shits himself. I think that's got to be the way this match... I mean, you don't want to actually see him shit himself, hopefully. But that's got to be the way this match ends with Cody taking the loss. But based on that promo, I just don't know how he can lose. And one of the major things about him is he's the living embodiment of his father. He's redoing all the great things that his father did 25, 30, 40 years ago, and it's a different culture at a different time. Some of those things don't work. You know, the blood and guts work at times, but not everything his father did works in 2021. Moving along, Jason, you ready for me to piss Corey off? Here we go. So, SCU carried the Young Bucks match. Uh, did you see that spear by Roman Matt Jackson, or would it be Matt, Matt Jackson Reigns? I don't know. That was incredibly such a big guy taking everybody out. 190-pound jacked-up guy that he is. Uh, see, the, the finish was stupid from this standpoint. You use a foreign object, you're trying to get the Bucks over his heels, but then for some reason, you don't win the match as a heel, you have to do your stupid finish. And that's my biggest problem with the Bucks. Jason, I know you're enjoying that. Go ahead. I mean, I, I think the young Bucks are completely cornballs as heels. I, I think they're corny. I think Matt Jackson is kind of a natural heel. I think Nick Jackson seems like a nice guy who was wearing a gold chain and looks cornball. It looked like cornballs. Um, and I just, it just doesn't do anything for me. I thought the match was was okay. A little bit of a mess. You had the bleeding all over the place. I don't know. It wasn't, I don't I The match just didn't do anything for me. Some match hit, hit the heights for me, and that one doesn't. And part of it might be, and I'll admit my bias here. I think the Young Bucks are horrible heels um, as a tag team. So maybe that that's my bias. I just, I didn't really enjoy the match. I thought it was just fine. And like we talked about on our podcast, and Corey, I know I'm going to steal your thunder. Like, 
what, what were they doing? This might be Christopher Daniels' last match. He's been on BTE forever. He... One of the young Bucks wrestling heroes. He made him when he asked Christopher Daniels and Kazarian hug in the ring. I know they got TV time. I know they got commercials. But, you know, again, this is AEW just wanting to rush everything. But Corey, did you give it nine or ten stars? Uh, Twelve and a half, actually. Uh, <laughs> I didn't love the match as much as, you know, Dave Meltzer, my parent boyhood hero. What? What? <laughs> I thought it was a. I thought it was a great. I, I, I'm losing my uh, my subscription to the Wrestling Observer newsletter as we speak. Uh, wait, no. Hold on, uh, Corey. Wait, Corey. Hold on. Dave Meltzer liked an AEW match. Come on, get out of here. Corey, he's cutting your trust fund off. Darn it! And he just got on Dark Side of the Ring. He's sorry to finally get noticed. Um, I really enjoyed the match. I like the Young Bucks as heels. I think that there's. I think it's still a work in progress, and I think it is hurt a little bit by the fact that you have the Good Brothers being so damn goofy when they're there, and it kind of maybe hurts a little bit. But my biggest, my biggest problem in this whole entire thing is what Jay was saying, the way that the ending of this match was handled, on the idea that you go to John... Yes, I understand you're setting up a match for your pay-per-view, which you want people to buy, but the idea of you couldn't wait 20 or 30 seconds... To show your show the package that you know wasn't happening live, of Moxley and Kingston, you know, throwing things around a room, which wasn't even that devastating. It wasn't like they they were taking you know hammers and stuff and just destroying everything in the room. They were just throwing things around. That didn't work. I thought the match itself was good. Did uh, Christopher Daniels bleed way too much? Absolutely. But I thought I thought the storytelling the match. I thought everything that was done building up on BTE and the highlight package is something that we talk about a lot on our show. Is that AW? One of the things they've improved slowly, and it's it's happened, it hasn't happened soon enough for you know the idea that they did a great highlight package for this, did a great highlight package building up for Darby Allen. I think that's something they did better, but the execution at the end did not work. And I hope they do something either on a digital end or on next week's show, something for. Daniel, Daniels and Kazarian, even if it gets interrupted by, you know, the heel stable to make them look bad, but I, they need that moment. Not just seven seconds of saying, we were great, we're done. That's fair, but uh, I'll just say this, though, and I don't want to debate, but as heels, to get them more over as heels, you got to win with that foreign object. They don't need to deliver that finish. Moving along. Uh, great promo by Christian Cage. I just wanted to say that. We don't need to talk about it, but I thought it was a great promo, getting serious like that. I, I like Christian so far there. Uh, so now let's get into the next match. We get Pac against Orange Cassidy. And it was funny because as the match is going on, JR actually mentions a double countout finish and called it. He says, he goes, he goes, this is your kiss your sister finish. And I went, interesting, considering he's from Oklahoma. I don't know if he's done that or not. But uh, so I like to say this about Pac. Pac is, Pac is so much, such a pro. And I think he's so much better than the majority of that roster in terms of his in-ring work and that fact that he gets it. Like, he really does get it and how to slow stuff down and make it look real. And that's my biggest gripe with wrestling these days. Uh, look, the finish was bizarre unless you could see what actually happened, which I didn't know. I learned about the finish earlier and the fact that Orange was hurt and initially it was supposed to be a time limit draw. And look, regardless, the fact is that we're still getting this three-way at Double or Nothing, which was said... And I honestly thought, I, I'll be honest, maybe I'm naive. For some reason, based on the promo last week at, at uh, Blood and Guts, 
I thought Orange was actually going to go over. I didn't know they were going to make this a three-way. Uh, Corey, what do you think? I thought that the match started off well. Uh, it was supposed, like you said, it was supposed to go to a time limit draw, and they had to improvise. If that wasn't the case, and the initial idea was just to do the double countout, this was a terrible idea, and AW should be basically lambasted for it. Because you know, for a company that says you're always going to have you know finishes one way or another, you don't have one. But finding out afterwards the fact that he basically was knocked out in bad shape, I give them credit for improvising and getting to where they had to go. I know that some people aren't the biggest fan of Kenny Omega. But I think that what they did worked, and I think that afterwards with doing the whole entire thing, with Tony Schiavone coming out and saying, you're not getting away with, you know, not having an opponent, I thought worked. And his disdain for Don Callis and everything else, I think, works well in that gimmick. So if that was, if there wasn't the situation with Orange Cassidy, it was an epic fail. But because we know what actually was going on, I give them a pass. Yeah, I agree. Um, this will be my last subject. You guys can take over after. Um, I'm going to fall asleep in about five minutes. Um, but I I agree with you, Corey, uh, for the most part. Uh, I don't love – I think my only issue, and I'm interested in Christopher to hear your thoughts, is, one, I agree with you about Christian. I think Christian has been a, like a breath of fresh air in that company, a guy who can wrestle a match and like have psychology. Um, but I, we know they're building to Adam Page, maybe at All Out, or Christian, maybe at All Out, to, to take on Omega. We know what the, that's what they're building toward. And so we got to have Orange Cassidy and Pac, and we got to have them. But Pac lost like a month and a half ago with the tag titles. We know he has no chance of freaking winning. Uh, Orange Cassidy, you know, they've kind of been stop and start with him as well. It, it didn't make any sense. I, it seems too obvious that, hey, we need some guys to throw in there to lose to Omega. And I think that's my biggest problem with this whole kind of feud. It's like, oh, oh Cassidy and Pac are the number one and number one contenders? Like, where'd that come from? Well, so, Orange Cassidy had about 10 wins on, on Dark and Elevation. I don't think we saw any of his wins on the main show, which is another problem with the ranking system. Exactly. So, like, I don't know. I could beat Corey 10 times in a row, and then I'm number one contender. You know, if a, if a forest falls in the trees, but no one's there to to, to hear it, doesn't make a sound. So, I, I don't know. That, that's, my, that's my biggest... Hey, Corey, that was pretty good. You, you, you got you, you said it backwards. If a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Not not as a forest fall of the trees. Oh, whatever. <laughs> listen, I, listen, I'm on my I'm, I'm a beer and a half in here. And I'm about to fall asleep. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he drinks like twelve percent beers. I mean, he's not. He's, he's his uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this beer I'm drinking is like nine percent. <laughs> so the beer, I, the other beer I had is eleven percent. So that's like five beers basically. The, the and, Sandman has nothing on you. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He'd have two of my beers and be falling down. But he does it no, anyway. Uh, but but on a, so I just don't think they did a great job of hyping these guys up as potential world title contenders, and you feel like oh well they're just gonna lose to Omega. So I I think that's my my biggest problem with this whole thing. Uh, obviously you gotta give them a you know mea culpa. Yeah, Orange Cassidy got hurt. You gotta do stuff on the fly. That's not a big deal. And I think Omega's been really fun as a heel. I think I've been really, really impressed with his mic work. Um, I think the last couple of weeks have been a little bit of a struggle. Like Cassidy, I don't think that what he did last week was great. 
and this week was fine. He was just like kind of the, the delusional heel character that we've seen. Um, but in general, I think he's really shown himself to be a very, very solid heel. He's kind of like a combination of the cleaner with what kind of American wrestling is with having to cut a promo. So I, I think he's been great. Well, I think the way they sell it is the fact that Pac has already beaten Omega. So at least he has at least one win, if not two. Did he have two wins over Omega early on? Uh, I he beat Omega once. He beat um, Cassidy uh, at Rebellion. So yeah, he's beat both guys. So yeah, right. So the, the, you can sell this match with Pac being credible. There's no doubt about it. Maybe wins, likely not. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that that that's fair. But with that said, yes. I've got to go. Uh, thank you, Christopher, having for having me on. Uh, Corey, please uh, do a good job on the rest of the show. Represent Work Shoot Podcast very well. Uh, for anyone interested, again, we are Work Shoot Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are on Twitter at Work Shoot Pod, and we are also on Instagram at Work Shoot Pod. You guys have a good night, Christopher. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, anytime, and go get that back checked out. <laughs> Bye, guys. Take care. All right, Corey. Moving along. Um, well, I don't really want to touch on it much. I just wanted to say I, I saw that how the Bucks came out and they challenged Moxley and Kingston. And but first, we're going to see them against the Blondes, so that should be interesting. I mean, obviously, the Blondes are going to get more of a push going forward, but obviously, they're going to lose this match. They'll just get them in that spotlight, if you will. But uh, next up, we get look. I like this Page uh, promo. I know we just talked about Page in terms of the future there. Mm-hmm. The fact that he called out Cage and said, "You're better than that. You don't need team ties." challenge me one-on-one without anybody else. That was a really strong promo by Paige. What do you think? I agree, but I'm actually surprised you didn't pick up on something that uh, I thought they would have done. I know that the title doesn't mean anything, but Cage has the FTW title. How is that not on the line in this match? Yeah, huh? No, I talked about that on my last show in terms of the first match. I made a, I made a point that they, with Taz being a part of this, and maybe they could still do this, that it would be apropos if you go back to ECW 94, when Shane Douglas won the NWA title and he threw it down and he proclaimed it the Extreme Championship Wrestling. Well, I don't know if he called it then, then, but he pretty. I think if Paige won and won the FTW title, it would be great in front of Taz to throw the title down and just dismiss it and say, the only real title I want is yours, Kenny Omega, something like that. I mean, that could be interesting. I mean, I also, I'm going to give a moment because I know that you love him as much as I do. John Silver is a star. His little one-liner. Right, moving on. Um, thank you. <laughs> His yeah, one, we don't uh, have enough time. We're, trust me, I don't want to do two hours here, so John Silver's going to get cut from this, okay? John Silver's like great. like Matt Damon on the Jimmy Kimmel show. We don't have any time for John Silver. Uh, so, okay, moving along. Great promo by MJF. Looked like a star. Uh, how about this, by the way? Women with a heel group, unlike a bunch of men in a limo, one without pants on, by the way, which was known. And, look, I like the fact that this uh, rematch, okay, whatever. I mean, the, obviously they're not going to do another blood and guts. We later learn what it's going to be. Here is my problem with this segment, and I talked about this on my, my YouTube page. Jericho supposedly fell onto a steel ramp, and yet he only sustained, what, a dislocated elbow? How does he not have hemorrhaging from the head? How is he not concussed? He should not have been on this show to sell that injury. That bothered me more than anything. Uh, real quick, let me just say some more things. Uh, 
Then they paid tribute to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Instead of using milk, they used bubbly. And now we learn that we're going to get the stadium stampede match, which is apropos. I mean, it makes sense. But also, not to mention that, also the stampede stadium match had the crash pad, just like blood and guts. So maybe we'll get the crash pad one more time. And now the stipulation is if the inner circle loses, they're going to break up. So what do you think about all that? Uh, I thought the segment as a whole, I thought it was a good segment. I think for someone who's not a longtime wrestling fan, they're not going to automatically think about the Kurt Angle or the Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, beer truck or milk, you know, milk truck thing, which was apparently, I guess, like 20 years ago, which is, shows uh, how much the good things we remember and the bad things we just try to forget, a.k.a. Right. roar over the last you know, year and a half. But I, my biggest problem with the whole entire segment was the idea that, what, 45 minutes earlier you just had a stipulation that if a team loses, they can never tag together again, and now you're doing the same thing again? That Jericho I had a big... talked about that. Right, no, to piggyback off your thought, Jericho talked about how a lot of their angles are the same, and they're really trying hard to get away from that, and then they do it again. You're right. And if you're doing that, and I don't disagree with him not being on the show this week. We spoke about this on, on, on our podcast. He should have been gone for a week, but the idea is that you go from one big event to selling the next one. And the major difference between Blood and Guts and Double or Nothing is, Double or Nothing you got to pay $60 for. And you have to start your promos yeah. and everything as soon as possible. Should he have been off for another week? Absolutely. And apparently he really did uh, screw up his arm in the match. It wasn't as if that was like a worked uh, angle. He actually screwed up. His, I, apparently on Talk is Jericho, he mentioned the fact that he uh, hurt, his, uh, hurt, you know, hurt, his, hurt his arm and that's why he was in there. And I think that this is supposedly supposed to be a slightly smarter fan base. And when everything is being said about, you know, the crash pads and everything, and he's out for like six weeks, then it makes, like the idea of you winking at the audience, I think that makes you feel like your audience is stupid when everybody knows it was no, no, a crash pad. No, no, He doesn't need to be out for six weeks. At least do one segment, one week where he's in a hospital I agree. Some, oh, I don't disagree. Tell it some better yeah. than that. I agree, but like, you know, he is the quote-unquote demo god, and they feel that he's him, Moxley have to be on every show, you know, to go and be the stars of that brand. And yeah, I agree with you fully. He, he should have been on. Still made, he could have still made the segment by being in a hospital. Like, he could have been telling that he's going to get revenge from the hospital bed. Yeah. you got to sell better than that. You agree with me, but it's just... Oh, no, I agree. Right. I agree. Yeah. Okay, moving along. Great promo leading into this TNT title match by Darby. I love the passion in his promo. Darby delivered it. He's believable. I mean, of course, coming in, you have the built-in storyline with the injury, him being thrown down the stairs by Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. So you kind of knew going in, there's a good chance we're going to get a title change here, just off of that alone. Uh, Miro attacks. The bell yet to ring, of course. That that always happens. You get the jump start. I enjoyed this, by the way. I enjoyed dude, The crowd is chanting for Darby, right? And then at this moment, Miro does a bolo. He did bolo. <laughs> If you know the movie Bloodsport, I know you, you're having the same thought because mm-hmm. I'm sure you said it on your show. But that was my – I was like, holy cow, he's doing Bolo. And that was pretty awesome. The match went down the way it did. There was some interference here and there. But I knew this would happen. I, I knew they would put it on Miro, and they did. What were your thoughts on that? Again, yeah, talk about Bolo. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme, yes. Um, I really enjoyed this. I do think, though, this was most likely supposed to be a lot shorter than it was. Because at some point you you got to make up the time that six minutes that was supposed to go to the um, to the number one contenders match. I'm thinking it was added because I mean going into this match, especially after what happened last week, 
I as much as I love Darby, and I think Darby has shown as a ratings draw over the last you know five or six weeks, especially facing you know, a guy like Ten, who is just another you know just another body out there. That it's gonna be interesting to see what they do long term with him. But I thought that it was gonna be you know basically Brock versus John Cena when Brock came back you know, and he basically mm-hmm. suplexed him you know twenty times and the match was gonna be over. I thought this was gonna be like you know a four or five minute squash, kind of a little bit like when Cody Cody lost the title the first time to the late. Brody Lee, rest in, rest in peace. But I think that, you know, time was added to this match, and I think they did a good job. I thought that spot on the outside when he went for the coffin drop and he just basically bounced off him, I thought that was a great spot on the outside. I think Miro's a great guy to build as your TNT champion. The only, you know who I kind of feel bad for? I kind of feel bad for Ethan Page. I felt either Ethan Page or Scorpio Sky felt like they were building to be, one of those guys was going to beat him for the, for the uh, TV title. Maybe at some point they get the title, but now that you have it on a heel, I don't see either one of them doing it. And, hey, can't feel that bad. They're going to have one hell of a, a high-profile high match when Sting's involved. Well, yeah, I mean, it's too early for them being there. and I, 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 They're going to have their time. Both of them will have, if not Ethan Page, will have his time for sure because he's, he's a younger guy. Uh, but to piggyback off your thought with Darby Allen, he's the one guy in terms of selling where he's a good, he's very good at selling, but he's also believable in terms of taking a beating despite being smaller based on his real-life career as a skateboarder and the crazy stuff he does. So when we talk about guys taking a beating and eventually having these crazy Cena-like comebacks, Darby's the guy that you can believe doing it. Uh, one thing that I, me and Jay spoke about at the end of our show, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it, and I know that one of the major problems with AEW, nothing ever has a chance to breathe. We spoke about that earlier with the tag team, you know, loss. But do you have to go basically, what, 45 seconds afterwards? you got to bring out uh, Lance Archer. You could have not had that happen right. next week to set up the double or nothing match or whenever they face each other. I mean, on paper, that should be one hell of just, you know, two brick shithouses just killing the living crap out of each other for like eight, or, 8 to 12 minutes at the pay-per-view, which should be awesome. But Miro kind of lost his moment by having Lance Archer coming out, and the last thing you hear is Lance Archer's music. Well, let's be fair, though. The heel is not really meant to get a moment as much as the baby faces. Yeah, yeah, right. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, but you know, it's sometimes right. closing the show is the right way is with Miro, a guy who people were didn't understand why you didn't push him right away. Coming from the WWE, everybody thought, you know, this was this was Miro's best match since, what, jo- John Cena at a WrestleMania, what, like 31 or whatever it was? I mean... It's been a long time since Miro actually had the spotlight and looked like the monster that he could be. Yeah, I mean, well done, and, and we'll see what they do going forward. I have reason to believe that title, because if you think about the history of it and how long people have held it for, I mean, not so much Brody Lee, but with Cody and now Darby, I think the belt, and there's nothing wrong with this if it happens, by the way, it could turn into a bit of a hot potato for a little bit, which is okay. Yeah, and I guess the last thing I would say on this quickly is, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, it's like 52-second video where Darby, after the show, he got on the mic and he was like, this is the only ti- is the only title that I care about, and this is the title that I want to win back. And he, and maybe they put that on, you know, either on the YouTube or they show it next week, you know, in a promo package or something. But I think when you have stuff like that, even though it's, quote-unquote, the TV title on WCW and if like this BS title... When one of your biggest stars says, that's the title I want, yeah, it'd be great to be world champion, but this is, the, the, I kind of like the slogan of this, the face of the network type of thing, where it's actually, like, you saw when he was champion, I don't know if they do the same thing with Rusev, 
But I'm pretty sure, like, some of the last, some of the times, the last image you saw on the logo going into the uh, TNT when they do their opening package was Darby Allen because he was the champion of TNT. Correct. Uh, just get into the ratings real quick. I know NXT took a dip going down to 697. Uh, AEW went a little bit under the million mark, which was not bad. I mean, that wasn't a considerable drop. Now, I, I wanted to bring this up. We're just talking about the casual fan. And sure. we look at the raw rating, which has been hovering around that 1718. SmackDown's usually around two, but of course they're on network television. And when you look at NXT and they're doing under 700,000, does that make you think that there's actually more of a casual fan watching Raw and SmackDown if your hardcore fan base is only seven to 800,000 watching NXT? Now, I, I've been dismissing the fact, saying, okay, well, we're down to like the lowest numbers of, of hardcore fans watching. But if they were hardcore fans, they would be watching NXT too. So that means there's more casual than we think still watching. I think it's interesting, and this wasn't my initial thought. Uh, former guest on the Workshop Wrestling Podcast, Brian Alvarez from uh, F4W, kind of mentioned this, I think, earlier on his show today. The idea of, and this is, I don't think this is an excuse that much, but I think that when you have a three-hour show on Monday and your next show is on Tuesday, there might be... Even, Especially when your three-hour show is so bad, there might be a little bit of just like fatigue. Where all right, I've seen wrestling on Monday. Maybe I need a break on Tuesday. I come back on Wednesday. If I if I'm really desperate, I mean, I think the crowd's been very good as of late. But maybe I'll watch Impact on Thursday after checking out you know the Workshop Wrestling podcast, and then the next day Friday. So like that one day in between of watching wrestling, maybe there's a idea right now that because Raw is so bad, they're getting hurt by being on the next day, but. I don't know. I mean, on the net, when when they were a one-hour show on the network, NXT, I believe the numbers were around that 700,000 people every week watching that show. So, I mean, I don't know if this is what it's going to be. I don't know if they need to bring somebody like if they re-sign a Brian Danielson and bring him back down to NXT and maybe that star power that Finn Balor maybe doesn't have or bringing back, you know, uh, you know, uh, Bianca, not Bianca Belair, uh, a Banks, because when she was there for those couple of weeks, the ratings were up. I don't know if it's just you need star power from the main roster for people to care, but it might be, like I said, a little bit of that fatigue of, you know, Monday's so bad, why am I watching on Tuesday? Yeah, day, but day I think between. that would be more intriguing than to, to watch better wrestling if you're a hardcore fan, if you're one of the smarts that we talk about. Mm-hmm. They want to see everything, So which, which is my point of saying that there's more casual fans than we thought, even though the numbers dwindle all the time. Sure. Uh, just the last thing before we go. I, I don't want to get into I know you guys did a full preview of it. I'm not going to do that, but... What is the one match that you're most interested in WrestleMania backlash? Um, I would say it's uh, the main event. I would say Roman Reigns versus Cesaro. I mean, I know, just like we were talking about the three-way at AEW, we know that there is a minus 1% chance that Cesaro wins, but this Cesaro is such a great worker. Roman is a great character. The stuff they did on Friday with Jimmy Uso, there is ideas of things that could happen in that match. And you still have Seth Rollins. So, I mean, I think Roman is such a dynamic character right now with his promos. And Cesaro, with the idea of finally getting that push, it's interesting. Everything else in that card, I think, is very skippable. Well, I am I am into a little bit with the Bailey and, and Bianca Belair match because I think it can be really good. Both girls can go. And I, I'm, aside from the main event, that would be my next favorite match to actually care about. Yeah, but there's no build. I'll, I'll give this- but there's been I know that you don't watch main roster as much as, as me and Jay, unfortunately, do. I mean, Jay's given up on Raw. He still watches SmackDown because there's good stuff with Roman Reigns. But the build for Bailey and Bianca Belair has basically no build. 
And as good as both of I them think, are, why should I care about a match if they don't care about the match? Well, there was a decent exchange on SmackDown, and I did see the in-ring stuff. I mean, it was okay. Listen, it's WWE. But the, at, my point is, as a wrestling fan, no, sure. I want to see these girls work. So mm-hmm. I, I don't need the great build all the time. It is what it is. So with that said, I wanted to thank you for joining me. Of course, uh, Jason Brooks already gone, but he was a lot of fun, too. Um Go ahead and give your plugs for the thousandth time of the show. Of course. Uh, you can check us out anywhere uh, you listen to the podcast, the Workshoot Wrestling Podcast. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Workshoot Pod. Also, uh, secondary, all the other podcasts I'm on is You Don't Know Jackie, a comedy podcast, which no, nowhere as funny as, as Christopher Morin is on his intros and his all the great things he does with his imitations, the greatest form of flattery. Of you know, Dopey Cuomo and Schmucky Trump, which you know make me laugh every week. But uh, we try our best. Uh, you don't know Jackie with uh, Jackie Rachel, Jackie Andy, Jackie Brandon, and uh, and myself because you know I have pride. I don't consider myself a Jackie. But uh, definitely check out both shows. We work really hard on both of them, and uh, I do appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no doubt. And everybody, thank you for joining us. Of course, don't forget to check me out, Morton's on this for Law and Morton's Love Podcast on all major platforms, and of course here on YouTube also. Thank you, everybody. Take care, and God bless gay sex.